We want to welcome in so many across our country. You may not realize it, but uh, every single morning we have a family that uh, streams with us live from Ohio, one, uh, one family from New Orleans, and so we welcome all of those viewers that are coming in now with us, and we also welcome those at our other venue across the street. Man, uh, our student ministry today, uh, Man, a high point in the three years that I've been here in attendance. And so just so excited about what Pastor Jared's doing there. And uh, had great interviews this weekend with a fantastic couple in children's ministry. And so we're just excited about a number of things that are happening. In a few moments, we're going to be having a presentation uh, from our uh, master planning committee and uh, also a presentation from our transition committee. And uh, you have some information. Did you receive one of the little brochures today? Do you, do you have that? Hold those up so I can see them. Hold them up. Find yours. Okay, most everyone has one. If not, they're available right back here in the foyer and you can uh, grab one in, in just a moment. But I want to spend just a couple of moments. Would you uh, grab your little worship bulletin and let's take just a few moments to go back from last week because we were so action-packed. As many of you are aware, uh, we are journeying in this this promising passage series. Uh, we're going to invest uh, the, the next number of weeks trying to prepare us for some principles that are so important when God's children came together with a task in front of them. We won't spend all of our time in the Exodus account, although we'll spend some significant time there, but we'll, we'll go to passages where the children were about to build a temple and what they were asked to do. How does God interrelate with his people when there's a task in front of them? Man, if we could tap into thousands of years of history, rich history, where we can adapt those principles to what we're walking through, it would be a tremendous manual of help for us as what we are walking through in our church life. And so last week, we just started talking about the preparation for that. Four key things, I just want you to jot them down as a review. We won't, we won't spend a lot of time on it this morning, but it's just a great review for us. Last week, we talked about one of the big four essentials that you and I need to remember as we go through this journey is that we must all make a commitment to leave behind this element of weakness. We need to be able to leave weakness behind Rephidim was a place that really nothing good occurred just before the children made their way to Mount Sinai. Nothing really good happened in that place. It was not easily defensible. It made these almost two million folks that were wandering, just coming out of 400 years of slavery and bondage, it made them extremely vulnerable. And uh, we know uh, other than Jethro coming to Moses' aid, his father-in-law, really nothing else significantly happened in that place. It was a place of weakness. And one of the things that we talked about last week is we as a church need to be open and candid about defining the weaknesses that we have. We have some real strengths. Strengths are the things that you build future direction on. But we also have a number of weaknesses. And those weaknesses we've got to identify and eliminate. We have got to get those weaknesses minimized if we're going to make the journey and the passage together. It's very significant. The second thing we talked about, jot it down, was oftentimes wrong thinking 
leads to most of our difficulties. Wrong thinking often leads to our big difficulties. We talked about, do you remember, things like when we have a challenge, every church does. Right now, we all have one common challenge in America, amen? I mean, I mean we're all battling this pandemic mess and mask and where do we come or where do we don't. And make no bones about it. The restart for our churches is going to be very difficult, not just Oakland Heights, but every church in America. You want to know why? Because of laziness. Now, that won't be popular, but it's true. America has found out that by high definition, it's much easier to worship in pajama pants than it is arriving in the parking lot. And my friends, it's going to be a battle for churches across America of all denominations. But I believe with everything in me that the Holy Spirit will do a great work and that most people of sound mind will come to understand that the person-to-person koinonia fellowship aspect that is highlighted in our New Testament is so very vital to spiritual effectiveness. And so we as a church have got to do an incredible job. So as we see these challenges, do we see them? Remember us talking about it last week? Do we see them as obstacles or opportunities? Obstacles or opportunities? We talked about, for instance, we've got to focus on what we have, not what we don't have. So often we spend all of our time focused on, well, what's remaining? What didn't get done? And so often just taking time to celebrate in what we do have. We've got so many precious senior couples in our church. Many of them, we have such a long list in our legacy banquet every year of 50 years of marriage or more. And even a marriage that has sustained all of those storms, it's easy for it to slip into the trap of not looking back over 63 years of marriage or 58 years of successful marriage, but all of a sudden we start focusing on the struggles that we have in health and the challenges that we have right now. And all of those things almost are something of the past and they're not relevant anymore. But if you and I as the body of Christ can focus on the things that God has given us, That will make a world of difference. We talked about how important it was, wrong thinking, about choosing the right words and the right actions. What we say and what we do. Right now is not the time to have any undercurrent of disunity anywhere. We we are are in a passage experience. Any of that's detrimental. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine Moses with all that he had on his plate and then somebody's over here murmuring about the quail? I mean, that individual, that tribe, those people need to ask themselves the single question, and we all do. These next three or four years are crucial to us. We need to ask before we speak and, 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 and before we act and ask this question, is this going to build up and is this going to help us be effective in, in the very cause in front of us? And if it's not, don't say it. Don't do it. Run from it. Those are weaknesses that can hinder us. And we talked about the tremendous energy to revitalize a church. Easiest thing, let Oakland Heights just over the next seven or eight years just die out. Just get down to about 50, 60, 70 people. And then we'll plant new churches. They'll grow faster. I don't believe that's what God has in mind for our church family. And so we set out on a mission to revitalize. But here's what people don't understand about revitalization. 
it takes three times the amount of energy to revitalize the old church than it does to, to launch and move forward a new work. Why? Baggage. It's so difficult to get momentum to revitalize. So difficult to get that one morsel that gets some momentum building. And as soon as we get momentum built in the area, it's so easy for someone or a group to start trying to rip it apart. And so understand that if you're going to make the passage with us, the promising passage that's in front of us, it is going to take tremendous sacrifice, tremendous commitment, but most of all, tremendous energy. It's going to take everything in us and then some. The third thing we jotted down. Man, you're listening well today. I hope you listen this well during the presentation. We must make a commitment to one another. We talked about that from the passage last week. We've got to really, at this point, make a real commitment to one another. Remember, we talked about our passage is not about being successful. successful. It's about being significant. Whether or not you're successful in your life, that's going to die when you die. Whether Michael Cook was successful, man, that's going to be, that's going to go to the grave with Michael Cook. But in those moments that we are significant by investing in others, that, my friends, will live on and on and on. Big distinction. Well, we hope you're successful. Well, thanks, but I would rather you hope and pray for our what? Significance. Our kingdom impact and significance. We talk about how as challenges escalate, the need for teamwork in one another elevates along with that. And we talked about trust. Trust is me doing what I need to do and you doing what you need to do. It's two parties coming together, holding the rope for each other, and both being accountable to build trust. That's essential. And then the fourth and final thing we talked about last week was this important element that you and I have got to learn to live by step-by-step faithfulness. Step-by-step faithfulness. It's fascinating to me. C.H. Chesterton, we mentioned this, he interprets the passage of the Red Sea as if God didn't just part the sea all at once, but he parted it gradually as the people came along. One step and he would part part, part of it in front of them a little further out. Now, C.H. wasn't there, and neither was I, and neither were you. But that's kind of interesting because that is how the Bible models how God sustains us. I read, what, what, eight passages last week, and there are many more, how God brings to us deliverance in a day-by-day process, one step at a time. As we take a step of faith, God takes, what, another day and gives us another day and opens another venue for us. And that's really what kind of this presentation is all about today. God knows where we are. God means for us to be where we are. He either allowed it or caused us to be here. It's no surprise to God where we are. God backed those Israelites up in such a precarious place. He told Moses, you get over there in chapter 14, and man, he tells him in the first couple of verses, this is exactly where I want you to put these two million people. I want you to turn them this way, and I want you to put them right there. And it's like, between the Egyptians and the sea, there's no escape. And it's like God says, I know exactly where I'm putting you. 
And that's where I want you, Moses. Yeah, but that's not the best military position. It's not about military position. God has us right where he wants us. He's doing a work in us. And we talked about when we're unsure that we need to be able to take the next logical step. Now, can I just lead in to our presenters that are coming in just a moment to let you know why we're having this presentation today. Would you go back with me for a moment to the month of March 2020? Now, you do realize that's this year, don't you? Somebody told me, Pastor, my short-term memory is very poor, but if you ask me something 60, about 60 years ago, I can remember it quickly. So I'm just trying to remind you. Back in March 2020, this year, just a few months ago, on March the 1st, on that pew, were two architects that came in here from a place called Tyler, Texas. Fitzpatrick and Associates came in and they partnered with these two teams and made a tremendous presentation. And we were excited. The next two weeks, on March the 8th and the 15th, we sent these committee members into every small group in our church to sit down, look people eyeball to eyeball and say, what did you think? What are your thoughts? Give us some feedback. We're listening. Right before that Sunday the 15th, something struck in America called COVID-19. We were one of the only churches in Longview that went ahead and had services on March the 15th. About 30% of our normal attendance showed up on that day. The very next week, we were scheduled to vote on all of these recommendations, all of these items. We went ahead and had our prayer groups, 16 through uh, 2020, 2021. There were just a few people that attended those, but we went ahead and bravely had those. But by the time we got to the Sunday, we were about to vote on all these and make a decision. We were sheltering in place by national order. And so here we are six months later. And I thought, well, we'll just call everybody together and have a church conference. And I knew what would happen. Some of you would say, a church conference about what? Because five or six months has passed and we've forgotten a lot of things. So I'm so thankful that these two committees came back together about three or four weeks ago in the middle of this pandemic and said, Pastor, we're, we're ready to move our people forward. There's a lot of work during the pandemic that needs to be done. Important things need to be unfolding. We're losing valuable time. And so today, they're going to come and give you just a snapshot of the presentation to remind you. In your bulletin, you see kind of the schedule how we want to move forward. A couple of weeks, we'll vote on these two big recommendations that will be brought to us today. Make a decision if that's the direction that we feel like God is leading us to go. Today, we're going to have Malcolm Palmer coming first, followed by David Miller, and then the closer today is Jenny Auger. She's going to be sharing the last part of the presentation. Would you bow your heads and let's just ask God's blessing as Malcolm is coming upon these three presenters. I know today they're a little apprehensive about presenting. And uh, I'm just going to ask that God to be with them, to speak to them with great clarity. Lord, we thank you for these moments that we have in your word and we have together we thank you for m many of our church family that are not here physically today, but they're watching. 
They can hear. They can see. We look, man, we just so look forward to them being back and being able to return back physically to be with us. We thank you for those over at the center today and the excitement that's going on there. Had a new class start over there today. Our students, uh, in, incredible attendance today. Just some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful things. So, Father, as we go into this presentation, we look for the best. We do so with great excitement. And, Father, I pray that you would use each one of these presenters to just articulate your plan through your words. Would you let them be the spokespeople that we need to hear on this morning? And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church. I and uh, some other members of our master planning committee um, were standing on this stage about, uh, I guess it's been, like Pastor said, over five months ago and uh, made a presentation to you at that time. Uh, then we were delayed, but we were not stopped. And we're going to move forward. Uh, I don't plan on repeating everything that uh, was covered uh, that morning in our presentation, but I want to give a brief refresher uh, with a few slides. Uh, then we will again view the video that Fitzpatrick Architects prepared that gives an excellent uh, visual tour of what our future facility may look like. Finally, we will again revisit our committee's recommendation. And first, I would like to introduce the members of the Master Planning Committee. Uh, the Master Planning Committee is made up of Sandy Britton, uh, Daryl DeBoard, Suzanne Merritt, myself, Malcolm Palmer, Larry Reisinger, and Bill Slack. And the Master Plan consists of three main parts. First is the Master Site Plan. And if we could have the video or, or have the uh, diagram of that, this shows the location where our future facility uh, will sit on the roughly 20 acres of property that our church is purchasing in North Longview. The master site plan shows the ideal location for each of the major site elements. Next is the master floor plan. This shows a layout of the overall future facility. It consists of a general commons area in the center, and then going clockwise from the left, our children and preschool areas with a covered outdoor area and an indoor play area, a covered patio, a contemporary worship area, education space for youth and adults, a kitchen and coffee bar area, staff and minister office space, and a classic worship area. And then finally, the, the phase one floor plan. And this will be designed to accommodate all of our church's current age group activities on Sundays and Wednesdays. We desire that the North Campus facility be welcoming, workable, and worshipful. Welcoming, we want our facility to be inviting for both our members and our guests. Workable, we want it to be utilized by all ages, from bed babies to senior adults. And worshipful, 
We want people of all ages to have a worshipful experience, experiencing the presence of God in our Bible study and in our worship. And now let's take a visual tour of the new facility.
Our master planning committee is excited to make the following recommendation to our church, and it recommends the adoption of this master plan as presented. The master plan is a dynamic, long-term planning document that provides a conceptual layout to guide future growth and development of the OHBC North Campus. The master plan consists of the conceptual plans developed by the master planning committee and Fitzpatrick architects. These include the site plan, the master floor plan, and the phase one floor plan. As I mentioned in March, this is a dynamic plan. It's not a static plan. We have worked to the point where we now have something to show you. There will be improvements that can be made to this plan. Uh, the feedback that you've already provided will be very helpful to us uh, in, in uh, designing this plan. An affirmative vote for, by our church on this recommendation means we are heading in the right direction. You like what you see. Thank you, and I'll turn it now over to David Miller, who will be coming uh, with the Transition Committee uh, recommendations. Had to make sure I followed the uh, six-foot rule. Sorry, Malcolm. <clears throat> well, good morning, church. I'm David Miller. One of the biggest struggles I had was preparing for this morning uh, to present this presentation because one thing I um, really am not good at is uh, speaking in front of crowds. Um, but I remember shortly after our staff arrived, we launched our focus campaign and pledged $3 million towards this uh, campaign, which I'm happy to announce that out of the $3 million, we have been able to do renovations on our current campus, which include the bathrooms and uh, technology for uh, this campus and our campus across the street, uh, which has also been a big factor during the coronavirus for those individuals that weren't able to attend in person. So that, that is definitely a plus for us. <clears throat> With the 1.3 million collected for our new property, it only leaves us with 500,000 on our new property, which with that money we were able to uh, put in concrete, uh, we were able to clear the land and which we were, be able, we were able to have events out there, uh, which included our Disciple Now recreational team was able to go out there and perform and uh, do things for uh, the students out on that campus. Once our property is paid off, uh, we as a church are hoping to have an additional uh, $300,000 that will be uh, pledged to our uh, campaign before the end of our, the close of that campaign, uh, for this focus campaign. Um, with, that, with that said, uh, we're hoping to have this paid off by Christmas uh, with our church uh, family. Um, guys, I, I don't know if y'all have had a chance to be out at that new property but it's amazing. It's cleared out. You're able to get out there. And after we were able to see the presentation uh, the last time, I've been able to go out there and stand in that field and just see the vision that God has laid out for us. And I can tell you, my wife, Sarah, and I are extremely excited about the direction in which Oakland Heights is going. Uh, we're in continuous prayer for our leadership and God's vision for our church uh, here at Oakland Heights. 
When I was asked to be a part of the transition committee, I thought to myself, one, what is that? And two, it doesn't matter. I was ready to serve. The transition committee was established to help our church with the transition from our current campus to our campus out on George Ritchie. When we had our first meeting, I remember sitting in the room with Bill Akins, Jenny Auger, David Plunk, Nancy Slack, Mark Smith, Larry Staggs, Ms. Jimmy, Chuck White, and Mr. Ray Wright. I did not know what I was going to, how much time I was actually going to be spending with these individuals and how much insight and knowledge that I was going to be receiving from them. I can tell you that as a committee, we spent a large amount of time in prayer and conversation. Uh, some, some were good. Sometimes we would disagree, and it was back and forth. But overall, we uh, were able to come up with a recommendation, which you not only have in your lap, but we also have on the screen. Now, although it's one recommendation, there are many key elements to it, roughly six. And I'll be going through each one of these as, as of now. So upon a final payment of the land note, remaining funds given through our focus campaign year three, we will be directed to uh, pre-construct phase infrastructure architectural needs uh, at the new campus. This will include certain things such as driveways, dirt work, or clearing off the rest of the property. The master planning committee or the building committee shall submit work requests and the Budget and Finance Committee shall provide uh, oversight. The church will elect a building committee in September of 2020 to begin construction documents for the new campus. The duly elected building committee shall be empowered to select an architect and contractor as needed for phase one construction and immediately infrastructure development at the new campus. The building committee, along, along with the direction from our pastor and staff, will, be de will develop a design the initial facility at the new campus. Accommodation should include facilities for Sunday and Wednesday ministries and programming. What both of these elements are saying is that the church body will select a committee that will focus on getting pricing, work hand in hand, not only with our church staff, but they will also be working with architects com architect companies in the area and begin to design new facilities for our uh, new campus out on George Ritchie. Now, the question is, what are we gonna do with the current campus? Well, we had a recommendation for that as well. Again, this is one recommendation, but three more elements to the recommendation. Upon the completion of the new campus, offer our members and those from the community the opportunity to worship temporarily at, the, at either location. Allow the pastors, staff, and leadership to structure ministries at both locations that will be effective and efficient. We also recommend keeping an open mind since there are m many numbers of moving pieces to our current situation. We must remain flexible. Our fellowship must trust God and to guide us through the significant and uh, exciting time. We are aware that there are many in the church that have strong connections with our current location. We also are aware that there are many that are ready to move north as soon as the facilities are built. What this does is it allows an interim time, amount of time for the transition to the new campus. A repurposing committee will be formed in September. This committee shall work with, a, with area professionals to promote the current property research the market and explore and investigate uh, options. 
The committee shall bring recommendations to the congregation as they deem necessary and will work closely with the pastor and staff in this process. What this element entails is that we are needing to have a committee in place to begin to figure out what we are going to do with this campus at our current location. They will begin to explore and investigate and pray about what we are going to do here. Some questions that may arise can be uh, during their investigation uh, will be, should we have one or two campuses? Uh, will this campus be sold? Will there be another church that would want this property? And the committee will begin to pray and search for uh, these options. The Child Development Center, I, we had a lot of questions about that. Um, parents Day Out, uh, summer programs, after school programs, and benevolence ministries will continue to function at our current campus as long as they are financially and spiritually effective. What we have found out through the time that we spent with each one of these ministries is for licensing purposes, it is recommended by the ministries that they continue to operate at the current facility through phase one. Please be in prayer for our recommendation uh, uh, with all these elements in play. Um, this is something that we spent a lot of time on and uh, I, I couldn't tell you how many hours we, we even just spent just looking over the wording on this. Um, but please be in prayer for this recommendation and please be in prayer for the future of Oakland Heights. Another member of our transition committee, Jenny Auger, will be coming forward to update the focus calendar given, and also she'll be giving you feedback on the question and answers that we had back in March in small groups. Jenny. Good morning. So again, I'm Jenny Auger, and I'm a member of the transition team along with David and the rest of our team. Um, I just want to start out by saying that my husband Jake and I um, have been at Oakland Heights for two years now, and we are so excited and um, so thankful to be a part of what God is doing in our church. Um, we trust and pray that the changes being made will um, help advance the kingdom of God um, by reaching unbelievers here in Longview. If you'll remember back, the transition team held Q&A sessions in each of your small groups. We as a transition team can express enough how much we appreciate your time and feedback during those sessions. I want to highlight three of the most common questions we received during those sessions and hopefully provide you with some answers. One question that came up frequently during our Q&A sessions was if there would be a baptistry and where it would be located. This is a great question and is something that should have been discussed during our presentation. The current plan is to have a portable baptistry at the new location that could be transferred in and out of the sanctuary as needed. This plan could potentially change once a building committee is elected. Um, the second area was parking. Parking was another popular topic during our sessions, um, specifically in regards to handicap and senior parking. The building committee um, will design parking with a high priority on providing close and easily accessible parking for both our senior and handicapped congregation members. A final point of concern was regarding restroom facilities. 
We want to clarify that the bathrooms shown on the diagrams and site maps were not meant to represent the exact number of stalls in the bathrooms. Um, rather, it was meant to simply show the location of these facilities. Similar to the parking situation, our building committee will ensure that there will be enough stalls in each facility to meet our congregation's needs. Um, this will be true for handicap accessible stalls as well. I know you may still have some unanswered questions, but I assure you that they will be answered in time and once the building committee has begun a more detailed design of the site. The last item on the agenda is the Oakland Heights Baptist Church timeline, and we will quickly walk through each point. As you can see, in May 2020, we finished year two of our focus campaign. We unfortunately missed our celebration due to COVID-19. However, that is still a huge milestone for our church congregation, and we are so grateful for your sacrificial giving over the past two years. The next item is the church's action plan, action on the master plan. We will have a church conference on August 23rd to vote on the recommendations presented this morning. If you are unable to be present August 23rd um, for that church conference, you'll be able to vote online or by phone from August 20th to the 23rd. Our Christmas 2020 challenge is encouraging our church members over the next five months to faithfully contribute to both our Lottie Moon Christmas offering and paying the remaining balance on our new property. Our church body has always been so faithful to ra raise around $50,000 for our Lottie Moon Missions offering in the past, and we are praying for the same commitment this year. In addition, our church body is being challenged to pay off the remaining $500,000 on the land we have purchased and be debt-free by Christmas. Our church has been so intentional and has faithfully given in the past, so we encourage you to be in prayer on how you can contribute to this goal. Um, next month, we will elect both our building and repurposing committees. Then in October 2020, our architects will begin drawing up the building documents for the church building. Once the new year begins and we have paid off the property, we will begin infrastructure items like David mentioned earlier, which includes finishing clearing the land as well as, well as running electrical and water lines. Next April, we will celebrate what our great God has done over three year over our three-year campaign through our church, church body sacrifice and commitment. This will, be at the, this will be the end of our focus campaign. Between July and November of next year, we will prepare ourselves for our next campaign, which begins the building process. Our commitment Sunday is November 7th, and we'll kick off our next season of giving. This will be an exciting time as all of the contributions from this point forward will go towards the construction of the new church building. Our church is committed to no long-term debt and looking forward to continuing this commitment throughout the building process. I know this has been a lot of information, but hopefully a helpful reminder of our previous presentation. Thank you for your time. Would you uh, just show your appreciation to these three presenters? Didn't they do a great job? Malcolm, thank you, David and Jenny.
Would you stand with me? We're just going to have a special time of prayer as we go into this 14-day period before our church uh, makes uh, some decisions, some crucial decisions. And uh, as you kind of stand and stretch there, catch, catch your breath, and let's just have a time of prayer and ask God's incredible blessing um, as we move forward for his will, for his purpose. Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you for... Um, First of all, the commitment of these men and women on these committees over the last 10 months um, of just an extraordinary amount of time that they've invested. Time away from family, friends, to focus on the task that is in front of us. And Father, I just thank you that um, each one of those meetings, these groups came together, they prayed, they sought your direction. There was great authenticity and sharing. Thank you for... Uh, how you brought those two committees together to help us at least have some initial stages of moving forward. So, Father, as we move forward, we pray that as we take each step, each step by faith, again, learning to live by step-by-step faithfulness, that, Father, you would guide every one of those steps in your perfect will and your perfect timing. Father, help us in our fellowship to unify around what your purpose is for us. And if this is your will, that your people would come together and be supportive of that direction. Father, we pray for the months and the years ahead of us. We know there'll be challenges. We'll know there'll be some times, there'll be some setbacks and some discouraging moments. But Father, it's also going to be a time of great victory, great conquest for more effective ministry for your kingdom. And Father, we're, we're not just excited about a facility that's going to be built. We're more excited about a family that will be built. And so, Father, as we have this challenge, an enormous challenge in front of us, just as your people have done time and time again through thousands of years, the task seems daunting to us, almost unaccomplishable. How would we ever accomplish such a massive plan? But Father, we know that through you all things are possible. So Father, as we continue to worship this morning, we do so knowing that you are the Messiah. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And these things we pray and ask and bring before you in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Continue to stand as we worship together.